Hey guys, and welcome to Kaisis, a podcast about living our new life in the new covenant age. Our podcast name comes from two Greek words, kaine kitesis, which mean new creation. I'm your co-host Osvaldo Valdez, and let me welcome Pastor Todd Bordeaux. Welcome everyone to our podcast. It's good to have you. And um, welcome Osvaldo. Good to have you. I bet you enjoyed basketball this week. Um, it's, I, it's funny. Um, although I'm a huge sports person, I'm not really into basketball, Pastor. Oh, really? Yeah, no. I'm more soccer. And since my job includes football, I've been getting into football recently. But I heard that uh, U of H won this this uh, this. This um this week that's as far as I heard. Yeah, when I was a bit younger than you, I remember watching Phi Slamma Jamma way back in the eighties. And what is that? That's when uh, University of Houston made the Final Four. They were so good with uh, well, there's some players that you won't know. So <laughs> anyway, they were. Uh, it's great to see them back again. If uh, most of our listeners probably have no idea what we're talking about, but that's okay. <laughs> All right, are you ready for our topic tonight? Absolutely. So today we're going to talk about a somewhat difficult subject, and uh, this is a part one. I don't know when we'll do part two. We may continue it next week or maybe in the distant future. Who knows? But we're going to talk about a phenomenon that I've certainly seen, especially I would say in the last five years. And that phenomenon is the difficulty in finding a good local church. It is amazing how many emails or phone calls I get really from people all over the country and sometimes in other countries wanting to know where they can find a good church. Now, I want to clarify uh, what I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about, you know, we always know people who are always complaining. They sort of come into the church with an agenda. They want their way. And when they don't get their way, they don't last very long and they leave and they go to the next church and do the same thing. We, we know people like that. That's not what I mean. And I don't mean those who are only in small towns and because the town is so small, you know, there are only three or four churches and none of them are viable options. I'm getting emails from people in large cities. And I don't mean those who are looking for specific programs. You know, I have young people and your church has to be large enough to have a youth group and, a, you know, all kinds of programs. I don't, I'm not talking about them either. And I'm not talking about those who are so pre theological, theologically precise that they never find something that satisfies them. They're always complaining about um, how they get this or that wrong. And so they jump from church to church. We all know people like that. That's not what I'm talking about. And I'm not talking about those culturally looking for a church that culturally holds all the same position, you know, a homeschool-only church or young earth creationist-only church, you know, some type of a, a targeted niche, targeted niche um, culturally. So I'm not talking about those. 
And I'm not talking about those who have been so abused in the church that they have a problem trusting any church. That's certainly out there. And I'm not talking about those who simply, you know, they don't want to go to church, so they look for any excuse. And whenever something goes wrong, that's their excuse not to go to church. Even though they know it's right to be part of a body because they've been in some churches that have not gone well. It's simply an excuse to not ever be involved with other churches or groups. I'm not talking about that either. I'm talking about Christians who really want to go to church. And they want a good church. But they can't find one. Um, I, I've heard it suggested recently that the Protestant church has entered something of a dark ages where it's going to be more and more difficult to find a basic church. Let me ask you, in your conversations, obviously we're dealing with young people. Do you hear this type of thing at all? Well, kind of. Um, and, and I think it's, ex I guess it's expressed a little bit differently because especially here in the United States where you have such a, a buffet of, of churches and sadly you... Um, it just you, you find churches all over the spectrum, and I guess in my experience, what I've seen in, in in a lot of young young Christians is that they, in retrospect, they see their own church experience as um, as lacking, as abusive, and, and and as they got older, they they had a better grasp of theology, had a better grasp of um, of of the scriptures, and they realize, oh wow what I thought was church was actually very abusive. And then when they try to look for a church, either they realize how like superficial when it comes to the preaching, when it comes to theology, it is, or how legalistic it is. Um, and they're, they're at an interesting crossroads sometimes where either you have a very legalistic church or you have a very superficial church. And well, my guess is that sometimes they they resolve to just not going at all, and just uh, which is just kind of kind of really sad. But it's kind of kind of sad that you're, you're just confronted with these two extremes sometimes. Yeah, that's such a good um, summary. It seems like it's either one or the two. It's superficial, where there may be a lot of happy people who get along, but there's not much doctrine, and um, you know. Doctrine isn't taught and, and uh, things aren't taken seriously or it's so legalistic that it's not gospel. It's not focused on the gospel. Yeah. The calls and emails I get, and, and we're going to show how this fits into our greater theme of the kingdom of God in the New Test Testament. The calls I get are from Christians who they want to be in church. They know it's right. They know it's important. Um, and they're even willing to compromise. They may be reformed in theology, but they tend to say things like, it doesn't even have to be fully reformed or fully this. I'm just looking for a place where the gospel is preached, it's believed, uh, the pastor is competent to teach a passage and explain doctrine. I don't have to agree with every doctrine as long as he's able to explain it. He's not afraid to explain it clearly. And as you said, it's not a place about full of legalism and control and agendas 
or manipulation to support their organization. Just a place where I can be myself. Uh, you know, people love each other in general, care for each other. They're not asking for much. They're asking generally what every Christian should be. And so the question is, why can't they find something so simple? And we have to start with the New Testament, the New Covenant Church. What should it be? And if we look at the book of Acts, for example, one thing we see about church is that people want to go. Think of Acts 2.42, where you have that New Covenant Church in its inception. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That term, devoted themselves. Nobody had to force them to do this. No one told them this is the law of God for their life. Now that they're Christians, they devoted themselves. They wanted to go. It was an instinctive desire filled with the Spirit to want to be with other Christians and to learn the Bible. When I was a new Christian, I was 17 years old, and I'd just come to Christ, and I couldn't wait for Sundays. I'd never heard anything like I had to go. It was a duty, no talk of law or commitment. I was just really excited to go. I, I couldn't wait. And given my situation with, with a Jewish home, I had to go very quietly, and nobody knew where I was hmm. wow. until, until I had to move out, not too much longer, but. But the idea that I would have to go to church would have been really foreign. It was foreign to me. And yet because of what's going on today, many good Christians struggle that they go to church because they have to. You know, a sermon is something you get through. Almost like suffering for Christ. <laughs> uh, it's going to be a 45, 50-minute sermon, and I may get 5, 10 minutes of it. And so church becomes sort of a proof of spirituality. If you can sit through everything every week, it proves you're committed to God. And what should be natural and organic, Christians coming together can't wait after a week of struggling to get back with God's people and to sing and to hear the gospel. What should be a natural thing, it's harder and harder for people. Uh, for genuine Christians. So something has gone wrong. What do you think of, do you think that's foreign to a lot of people that church is a natural organic desire? Well, absolutely. Because I think once again, I think, I think that's one of the, the residue and the consequence of Christendom, um, the union of church and state where going to church was, wasn't evolved from being a, a genuine and sincere Christian, um, consequence, I guess, or the consequence of the spirit living in you to being a cultural norm. And it's easy to move on from cultural norms. It's easy for cultural norms to evolve. But the work of the spirit is always present, right? It's always it's always there. But when we, especially here in the United States, when going to church becomes indicative of, you know, what it means to be, I guess, a good American, a good citizen, that that's not a stable foundation for anything, you know? And a lot of people approach church with that mentality. I mean, I guess it's the right thing to do. My parents did this. My grandma did that. So I guess I have to, too, because that's what good people do. And that is no solid foundation whatsoever. 
And it's interesting because um, just like your story, I actually have a friend from high school um, who converted from Islam to Christianity. And it's interesting because like he knew that he had to belong to a body of believers naturally. And it's crazy the lengths that he would go to go to church without his parents knowing. And he would sometimes take his brother too. And he'd find very unique ways and secret ways to to go to church. But like he did that out of genuine and sincere out of a genuine and sincere heart. Um and that's interestingly contrasted with people who approach church from a cultural norm standpoint. And that's even true in places where people don't think of it that way. They don't really connect being an American with a Christian. They connect going to church with being a Christian. But still, the idea that they would wake up on Sunday mornings excited to go instead of a duty, that seems to be more and more, it seems to be uh, not as common as at least I remember it uh, 40 years ago when I started. Well, and, and, and I think you make a really good point there because, yeah, it's not, it's not only with those people who, like like you said, that associated with that going to church with a uh, as a cultural norm. But I remember that um, a, a church that we used to go to as a family, um, the church like the, the church that I would say that where where I became a Christian, um, it was so abusive at some point that going to church was just a dread, Pastor. Like you didn't want to go because you know that the pastor was gonna just gonna beat you down, that the congregation with all these divisions was gonna try to put a you know, a hypocritical happy face so that the visitors can stay and and that cycle of abuse would just start all over again. And it was just such a tense and and heavy, you know, feeling every time I woke up on Sundays is you just don't want to go. And like I, I can relate to that. Yeah. So what has happened? And of course when I say this, I'm not suggesting there are no churches left. There are, but it's certainly something is changing in the landscape. And what I suggest is happening, and if this goes with the theme of our podcast for the last couple of months, is that we've lost or we're losing heaven. We're losing the idea that the church is an outpost of heaven. It exists to bring people to heaven. And it doesn't exist for its own benefit. And so what's happened is churches and denominations and especially parachurch, they tend to exist for their own benefit instead of the cause of heaven. And and you can almost take all the different examples and summarize it under this bigger issue. For example, if a church is all about entertainment and a lack of teaching theology, well, what's the purpose of that? Well, it keeps people there. It keeps people coming. It doesn't offend them. And of course, behind that, it's very self-serving. You're existing to exist. You're existing for your own organization. The legalism that you just mentioned, the abuse of legalism, where we form a holy culture safeguarded from the world, that becomes self-serving. We see non-Christians now as enemies instead of the mission field. And so it really just builds up our own convictions already uh, so we can feel good about ourselves. You know, churches that rely on the law instead of the gospel, they're not trusting in the power of heaven, which is the gospel, but on the power of the law, which is controlling. Even in our circles, confessionalism, 
oftentimes when you have a confession, people can can assume that being faithful to a creed automatically means faithfulness to God. And so what you're doing is you're promoting your brand instead of promoting the kingdom of heaven. The confession is no longer a servant, but it's an end-all. Um, in, in more charismatic circles, the pressure to experience the, and feel the Spirit's presence now, that type of constant pressure is not trusting in the power that comes from heaven through the simple gospel. And so that artificial pressure just burns you out after a while. Or dominionism. You, know, you go to a church and what you're really hearing is the agenda of the pastor, whether from the left or from the right. What doesn't the pastor like about society? And whatever he doesn't like, you're not supposed to like. And if you don't speak out the way he speaks out about it, he threatens you that you're not a genuine Christian. I'm really, really tired of people threatening me that if I don't jump on their cause, I'm not a real Christian. Hmm. And so the Bible does teach us to be kind to all, fair, and to act justly. But then I have to go to a church and, and be told exactly how to do that in all the political and social senses, which is just a, another way to control and use an earthly agenda. We've lost heaven. Or, you know, you, you, you go to a church and you hear all about earthly authority, men over women, or the authority of elders and pastors. It becomes all about them. Or one final example. Sometimes churches will use the gospel as a means to market their church. And so all the applications are getting in more involved in their church. And so the church is, I always feel like in these situations, and if you're familiar with marketing, you can smell it. That that sermon was used to get me to join a small group or a ministry or to give more. That what they're really doing is not building the kingdom of heaven, but their kingdom. And so all these examples really come down to not believing or trusting that in Christ we have been brought, heaven has been brought to us. We worship in heaven. And it's the power of heaven through the gospel that saves and sanctifies. And if we really believe that, we approach things very differently. But I just gave nine examples. Can you think of maybe two examples of what you've experienced of the ones I gave? Absolutely. And I guess, um, well, probably the most common one that a lot of people have experienced and that I experienced as well is legalism. And in the church that I, one of the churches that I used to go to, Pastor, we had a we had a humongous youth group. It was a Hispanic church. So each family had three to five kids, you know, so you can only imagine that that youth group was was humongous. Um, and the issues that we, we would have um with the youth group, and it wasn't even that big of a deal, was one, uh, girls wearing jeans, right, um, and dating. And it was funny because you would hear from the pulpit, um, from, especially from, from the elders, you would hear stuff like, um, church isn't for dating. So if, if you're dating someone, you know, within the youth group, and you're talking people like there are 20-year-olds, like trying to date each other, um, you're not supposed to do that. Church is not for that. Church is for worship. You shouldn't wear this. You shouldn't wear that. 
or you shouldn't watch these type of movies and stuff like that. And it's interesting because um, as like as the youth, you know, they, they grew up and they left and it wasn't because the gospel deterred them. It was the church culture that deterred them. Yeah. And it's actually very, very interesting how they weren't mad at God. They were just mad at the people who who try to make their type of culture synonymous with with the Christian Christian life. And that at the end, since a lot of them grew up in the church, they think that's what church is. And sadly, they just kind of stay away, even if they don't exactly deny the gospel. Yeah, and good, oh god i'm sorry that's yeah, and, uh, that's, that's that, that, yeah and that's that's one and then second one and i i heard this example from from someone i i talked to and it was very interesting because huge um very confessional driven um it, it was all about um the confession and it was interesting because little little by little talking with him um i realized that it wasn't um exactly the content of the confession that that he loved, it was kind of the idea of a high church, you know, and, and, and his, he romanticized, I guess, this, this churches that, um, that, that had liturgical practices and whatnot. And it's very interesting because little by little, um, if that's all you, what you, is that, is that, if that's all you go for in a church, I mean, he eventually uh, went Roman Catholic and I actually don't know where, where, where he is right now, but it's, um, all these, like, all, all this to say that all these weird foundations, right, are just recipes for just a bad church experience altogether. Yeah. And so the answer, of course, is to truly believe the gospel, that the church's role, or we are God's servants, to bring people to Christ in heaven and to teach them and minister to them so, as Paul wrote in Colossians 1, so they'll be found complete in him. So that's a very a servant attitude of, of how we approach people in church. Not self-serving. We're not here to um, keep our organization going, to grow it. It's not about our growth at all. It's not about holding our authority. It's a cross-shaped ministry that we're not in it to protect ourselves. We're not in it to survive. We're in it to serve. And so a heavenly perspective, it's not really about our church or our denomination. It's about ministering to people. And so we're not thinking in terms of job security or our own insecurities where we need to feel like we're one of the faithful few because we do this, we don't do this. A cross-shaped ministry um, forgets about ourselves. And uh, tries to bring others to heaven, tries to help them to know the Lord and grow in the Lord, where it's not about whether they end up at our church or liking us or supporting um, this organization. But it's a servant attitude. And when, when, when you started uh, the internship, you know, I've given you a lot of books to read in our internship program, but the very first one I gave you was Carson's The Cross and Christian Ministry. You remember that one? Yeah, one of my favorite books up to this day. Can you f think of a key point that relates to what we're talking about from Carson's book? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that, very fascinating. So in, in, in Cross, in The Cross and Christian Ministry by, by Carson, he he focuses on, on, on 1 Corinthians chapters 1 through 4, and he's addressing particularly, right, kind of how, how Paul deals with with this issue in Corinth where 
the church in Corinth were idolizing their leaders. And Paul's central point in, in, in the first few chapters is, well, if if the cross is if the cross is foolishness naturally to to each human being, why does it become so central and so beloved by Christians? That that's a big step. How does it go from being foolish to something very precious and central to the Christian life? And Paul's main point at the end of the day is well, because of God's Spirit transforming Spirit through the gospel. And and then if if it is God's Spirit and the gospel that makes something foolish naturally in human and in, in defective human eyes to something beloved, then leaders have nothing to do with this. And that's how Paul is able to rebuke the Corinth, the Corinthians um, regarding their behavior and their attitude towards Christian leaders. Christian leaders are not the center at all. It is the gospel that is at the very center. It is the cross, the effective ministry of Christ at the cross that is at the very center. So once you realize that it is God's spirit and his gospel, that transforms hearts, that transforms lives, and not leaders, then your, your view of leaders changes. And that's interesting because I guess in um, me coming from a legalistic background, and I'm pretty sure a lot of our listeners do so too, um, a lot of leaders present themselves as if they are this very center of church ministry, as if the ministry in the church hinges on them. And as Carson notes on in, in his book, it's like, no, it's it's the complete opposite. It's complete opposite. It is the the cross and God's spirit operating through the gospel message that makes it effective. Yeah, it's that counterintuitive way to think about leadership when we when the cross is our example. Exactly. You know, it's one of the reasons why there are so many abusers as we're finding in the church. One of the reasons is we're so worried about building our organization, we're afraid to turn people away. And so mm-hmm somebody's in membership class or they're already part of the church and there are clear signs of an abusive personality. They're hurting. We're afraid to say something because they might leave. Their family might leave. They might drag some other people with them. So what, what have we, what are we thinking about now? We're thinking about, we have to keep our organization going. We've lost the heavenly vision of what ministry is about. Instead of protecting people, it doesn't matter if they leave. Um, we don't even have to think of that. We're just about protecting people. And so with a cross-centered ministry, we can say, who cares about all those things? I don't have to worry about who might get angry or who might leave. Um, They're hurting people. I remember when I was a pastor, I won't say what church, but I got a call from a guy who um, lived right by our church building. So I went and visited him and his wife, and I think they had nine children. And he started talking about, you know, he was very theonomic, and, you know, obviously he didn't know me very well. but And he went on and on, you know, public school is a sin, et cetera, et cetera. I finally said, you know, let me be real honest with you. You're not going to fit in our church very well. Hmm. You're not, you're not going to be happy here. You're going to hear preaching against your convictions. I would suggest going somewhere else. Well, that person went to another church in my denomination, not too far away, and split that church. Wow. They were desperate for members, and they took him in right away, and he did the damage. Hmm. But the our elders were so thankful, and they were on the same page, that we don't have to be desperate for members. We're not here to build 
an organization. We're here to minister Christ to people. And if that's going to get in the way, then we need to do something. And so it's so freeing not to worry about your church or your job. Just to trust the Lord. If he wants this church to exist, it'll exist. If he doesn't want it to exist, it won't. And then it's Christ's church. If he wants me to minister somewhere else, he'll provide. And to have that freedom not to be organizationally centered, but cross-centered. But as far as abusive personalities that everyone's afraid of, you've mentioned legalistic background. Have you seen this in your past? Absolutely. It's interesting. In one of the churches that I was in, um, the it's it's a board of deacons which operate pretty much like elders. They knew that the pastor was wrong. They knew that the pastor was was abusive. But not only were they a f- very superstitious, obviously, because the pastor kind of called himself God's anointed, and who would want to go, you know, against God's anointed? Right. Um, they they were longtime friends. One of them knew him as a kid back in El Salvador. Um, the other one knew him for like twenty years, and they didn't want to say anything to their friend. Um, and they decided that their friendship with <laughs> with uh, the pastor was more important than the health of probably a congregation of close to 200 people. And it's just so sad and, and, and ultimately detrimental. I mean, the church split at the end of the day, nothing good got out of it. Um, but Hey, they didn't want to break their friendship with, 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 with that, with that pastor. So it was just, it's just really, really sad and unfortunate when, when you make ministry um, to revolve around one person rather than the purity of the gospel. Yeah. And so you see all these different examples revolve around a fundamental issue, which is existing for the sake of ourselves and our organization and our job security and our value of ourselves. Instead of serving people, telling them the truth, um, encouraging them and loving them. And, and whatever happens organizationally happens. Yeah. And so what people are looking for is a church that is not afraid to preach truth because it might offend. We, you know, I, we need to know about heaven and hell. We need to know about Christ, and we need to know what it means to serve him. Uh, but we need to do it in a way that trusts in the power of the gospel to change people and not our own sales techniques or pressure. Um, people don't need pressure to give. We need to trust that if the gospel opens hearts, the gospel also opens hands. And so God will provide the finances. I don't have to think in those terms of what do I have to do to get people to give. I don't have to build my brand. They don't have to all agree with me and all my theology. Um, you know, if they're growing in Christ, God will reveal to them in his time what they what he needs to. I can trust the Lord. So it's not about growing my church or denomination. It's really about serving people. And then let the Lord be in charge of the results of that. And that way, people will know. People go to church and they know if they're being used and abused, if they're being marketed, or if it's genuine, if there is a trust in the gospel. Um, You know, if there's real love. And people aren't expecting perfect love. We realize that we're all weak and and there are non-Christians in the church, that in every church that's true. So. 
We're not looking for some glorious experience, but genuine love, happiness, people allowed to be themselves and not to conform to some, you know, person's other standards. That's not realistic. And so that freedom, that freedom, and I and I've mentioned this before, but to remind the elders, it's not your job to keep this church going. It's just your good job to love people and tell them the truth, what the Bible says. It's God's job to use us if he wants. Just come and enjoy people and enjoy the Lord. That, that explains why you haven't done a, a seven-week sermon series on giving, right? Right. Because that's this summer. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and so what we have is is what we've lost then. I think what people are sensing in the Protestant church in general, and maybe why people are going more Lutheran or Roman Catholic, not that Lutheran isn't Protestant, but um, is they're sensing a marketing and a brand and an, and an authoritarianism that is all about them, building themselves up, keeping people in. And not that freedom that it's about Christ. Because it's it's difficult to think this way and to trust in heaven. And, and I think if I could summarize all these different issues, we've lost heaven. Um, what do you think of that way to summarize all this? Yeah, I think that's, that, 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 wow, that's, that, that's kind of heavy <laughs> to, even, to even kind of frame it that way, uh, that we've lost heaven. Because... It's interesting because our our podcast theme is obviously it's about the kingdom of God, but Jesus also calls it the kingdom of heaven. And it's exactly that. We have to think in, in heavenly terms. And when we reduce, I guess, church, right, to something so heavy, so legalist, legalistic that people dread. Imagine saying, to even think about it like this, like who dreads heaven? If people are dreading church, if people feel so pressured, so so heavy burden from heaven, I don't think that's heaven. And, and and I think that the weight of the problem is better, I guess, is better expressed in, in, in exactly that way, Pastor. That we we've we've lost heaven when we lose when we lose the the central aspect of the gospel. Yeah, that's such a great way to put it on. I appreciate you saying it that way. And I think sometimes Christians and especially pastors, because their lives are different for the most part, but Christians, and, and the longer you live, the more you struggle. Life is a veil of tears, not just in other countries, but for all Christians. There's all kinds of weaknesses and sufferings, and people need to come to a place and hear the gospel and not be um, you know, shredded apart with all their legalism and um, told how awful they always are. Um, yes, they need to be told what sin is in the Bible and, and the importance of repentance of that particular sin, but they need to hear Christ and, and his love for us, and they need to be encouraged, and they're not finding it. And so people are looking, at least the ones that talk to me a lot and write me, very simple. I want the gospel preached. He's the Jesus' death is the only way to God. The only way to find favor with God is Christ, not our works. They want good doctrine taught, but if it's not exactly what they believe in every way, they're willing to live with it. They want worship that's not manipulative, but they're willing to compromise on styles that they might prefer. They want their worship centered on the sufficiency of Christ. They want a place where they can be themselves and their different personalities, 
One thing we've lost with all this heavy-handed authoritarianism and legalism is people with character. The church used to be full of all different characters. Now it seems to be more Stepford-y, where everyone's expected to fit into a certain mold of what spiritual is. Hmm. People want to be themselves, and they don't want a prosperity gospel that tells them if they just do this and this, life will be happy and healthy and no more sadness and worry. They don't, you know, they want a place people understand what it means to be a human, to be a Christian. And then, of course, love of Christ as imperfectly. That's, that's the church we see in the New Testament. And um, that should be the norm. But unfortunately, it's harder, to harder, harder and harder to find. And we're going to talk more in coming episodes about uh, breaking this down, what clericalism is and what are some of the problems and more specifically. But in general, any other thoughts? Of what we talked about tonight, Osvaldo. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just. Obviously, there's, there's a lot to unpack and a, a lot to think about because it's, it, it is a very complex issue. You know, it, it, it is, it's not always black and white. Um, it, one of the things that has always stuck to my, to me, is like a lot of these churches and a lot of these people who, who are very abusive. Like, no legalist knows that he's a legalist, right? And it's actually very difficult to to know what is legal, like which church is legalistic or, or not until you actually live in it. So it's a very complex um, just situation and I guess ocean to navigate through, especially here in the United States where you just have a, an overabundance of churches. I think I, I mentioned before, especially here in Houston, you can drive down one street and you already passed six churches. Yeah. And, 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 and I, I really feel very, very sorry for, you know, new believers, new Christians that, you know, are trying to look for just a healthy church to grow into. And more often than not, they often find themselves in a very, very, very abusive church where heaven, you know, what should feel like heaven feels kind of like the opposite, you know? Yeah. So just just a lot to think about. And And it's difficult because that balance that we shouldn't expect too much in this life. There are no perfect churches. There are always going to be issues in every church. And, and, to be careful not to run every time you disagree with something or somebody says something to offend you. I mean, we're dealing with real people and we all have sin. So that's one extreme, that perfectionism. But then the other extreme is what you said is we settle on things that are actually hurting our souls yeah. and are doing spiritual damage because we think we have to go to that church. That That's the balance that's, Will always be difficult in this life for sure. But. And one of one of the one of our internship meetings, I'll never forget. It was interesting. You're like, there's no such thing as a as a perfect church. There's never such. There's no such thing as a a church that's free of mistakes or free of problems. But there is such thing as a healthy church. Yes. A church where obviously every church is going to have problems. Every church is going to have mistakes because, like you said, we're in this side of the kingdom. Um, there is no perfection. There is no freedom of mistakes. But there is a church, a healthy church that can address, you know, problems in a very mature and Christian way that addresses mistakes and repents whenever there are mistakes. So um, I guess that's that's the challenge, right? And in, in seeking and developing healthy churches. And I think instinctively what you said is key. If, if our listeners are going to judge, you know, what about my church? I, I think it comes down to what you said. Can you imagine dreading heaven? Hmm. 
if you come to a place where you're dreading your church or you're feeling used and abused and manipulated, that's not heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, I, I do want to add that that doesn't mean every single Sunday you're always waking up with total excitement. Life hits you in different ways. And, you know, there are always times we don't want to go to church, but I, I'm talking about generally. Generally, church should be, if it's healthy, a place that you're happy and excited to go. And, and you know that it's going to be about the gospel um, with all its weaknesses. So hope that's been helpful. This has more been discussing a problem than giving specific theological solutions. Um, but we are talking about the kingdom of heaven in church, so I think it's good uh, to think these things through. Well, why don't we end there and we'll pick up we may continue this or we'll go somewhere else next week. Anything to close, Osvaldo? No, I think it's a great place to stop. All right. Thanks all for listening and we'll, Lord willing, see you next week. All